Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, your personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm here in studio with Eugene Merman. Eugene, welcome back. Great to be here, Neil. That sounded way too rehearsed. I'm but gonna... it's true. It is great to be here. <laughs> okay. But you're right. It sounded terrible. <clears throat> we it are... sounded like a fake announcer. We are in the Cosmic Queries edition. Yeah. That's one of my favorite uh, yeah. kinds of Star Talk. And this one, people writing questions, and this is the grab bag edition. This is a grab bag of all sorts of questions. All sorts of, we, we collect them in the bottom of the bin, yeah. and we still think about you. These are questions from all of our fans. And, yeah. And I mean, listeners. this is literally from Denmark. Why would you even bother? <laughs> Merlin. <laughs> No, this is what Merlin asked. Merlin ready? from Denmark. I know. Okay, cool. Know. Let's do it. I recently found an article describing a relatively recently found uh, quasar cluster, which, uh, which apparently is too big to exist in the universe, according to our current state of understanding. I am wondering now, of course, how an object could be even be too large for the entire universe and also what that exactly means for our understanding of the cosmos. No, so that's, that's a great question. So I think there's a mix-up of information there. So mm -hmm. if there's an object, you, you have like galaxies out there, right? Sure. And then you have like pairs of galaxies and they know about each other because they orbit one another. Yeah. Then you can have clusters of galaxies and they orbit like a bee, bees in a hive would. Mm -hmm. And so, so you can see that galaxies can know about the existence of other galaxies that are nearby and they create what we call a cluster. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a cluster of quasars yeah. and they know about each other, but they're too far away from one another for the age of the universe to have allowed them to know about one another at the time they were created, uh -huh. that's a problem. Yes, so, so, <laughs> it's definitely a problem. So in other words, it's a coherent structure uh -huh. that is larger than the universe at the time would have allowed to have existed. Right, but now it's fine. No. Well, no. now it would have been fine, but back yeah. then, we're talking about quasars in the yeah, early yeah. universe. Oh, okay. The early universe, back then, the universe was smaller. Uh, it was the size of like a pan, a size of a Marshall. Pick a time and any, pick a time and we can find a time in the universe where, pick a size, yeah. there's a time in the universe when it was that size. Marshalls. A Marshalls, yes. A, a marble, <laughs> yes. An atom, yes. A, yeah. a football stadium, yes. I see. So, so it's so it's a challenge when you have this. It's you know the okay. universe brims with mysteries. We don't have it. We don't have <laughs> Is answers. That the to name him. of of your band. <laughs> um, all right, here's all right. a question from uh, Nick. Uh, uh, 
Christoph Wetterich, a theoretical physicist at the University of Heidelberg in Germany. If he's a theoretical physicist, he should have no questions for me whatsoever. Well, it's too late. Okay. This guy is quoting him. It's too late for me. Oh, he's quoting the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I oh, thought sorry. it was a question Nick. from. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Nick is like expanding universe. And then he, and then this is the message. Christoph, a theoretical physicist at the University of Heidelberg in Germany, has recently. That would be Heidelberg. Yeah, I'm okay. just testing you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> has recently proposed an idea that the universe isn't expanding, but instead gaining mass. If the entire universe is gaining mass at the same proportions, it makes his theory impossible to test, though it remains mathematically possible. Nature News ran the article with a couple of opinions. Cosmologist Hong Ong Sheng Zhao, who thought it should be entertained and <laughs> Naish Ashfordy, an astrophysicist in Canada who preferred the standard Occam razor approach. Have you read this paper? <laughs> Whether you have or have not, what are your thoughts on or initial reaction to it? Okay. Thank you for having me read all these <laughs> names that I have tried to do justice to. I but you didn't, been... you didn't even get the city right. So, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, yeah, but that's because I was terrified that I was going to say Hong Kong Zhang Zhao incorrectly. <laughs> so, what we have going on here is a new idea that someone puts forth that could explain what we already know. Yeah. to be true, but in a new and novel way, mm -hmm. right? There's a time-honored history of this going on in, in the sciences. In fact, Copernicus, mm -hmm. who put the sun back in the middle of the known universe, turning our, our geocentric mm -hmm. world into a heliocentric world, th his book mm -hmm. called De Revolutionibus, that book, which is one of the most coveted books in the history of publishing that goes for millions of dollars at auction if you want to pick up one from the original first I would love to <clears throat> maybe I'll start a kickstarter to buy it <laughs> the, the original first edition that idea was so heretical to put the sun in the middle and not the earth it is clear and obvious from any read of the Bible that earth is in the middle of all motion and everything goes around the earth. That's how any movement is described. Mm -hmm. And earth is stationary. So to say something that's not that is heretical and at the time punishable by Death. Uh, by, yeah, or uh, by trial and, uh, and yeah, the Inquisition. Yeah. So at the beginning of it, there's a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. And the disclaimer, not written by Copernicus, it says, this is probably not true, but it makes the math a little easier. So for that reason alone, it's worth publishing so that the mathematicians can calculate where the planets are in the night sky. That's there a good, have, great way so, around it. So the point is, if you have a new idea, mm -hmm. it could be completely radical from what was prevailing at the time. And it could be right. It could be wrong. You don't. You, first, you want to make sure it doesn't predict something that you already know is not true, and you want it to predict something that you haven't discovered yet, and that'll give you that'll give you confidence that it's a real idea, and it's not just exactly mapping onto what you already know is true. If that's all it is, it's not useful. Right. It's just somebody else's other idea, and you don't want it to turn it into a, a, a Rudyard just Kipling, a big idea party, a, a Rudyard Kipling just so story. That's how the leopard got the spots. Mm -hmm. It got before this way, and here's how the elephant got its trunk. You could just come up with another explanation, right? That doesn't make it right. 
It's just another explanation. Right, and it's got to survive the so You're testing. not a fan of multiple origin stories. Well, no, you want to make a prediction that we can test it, and if the te- prediction fails, then we discard the idea. Right. So I, I, haven't, I don't know the idea well enough to yeah. know how, what kind of predictions it makes. If it makes no predictions, it's not useful to anyone. Right. Not anyone scientifically. Sounds like you're not a huge fan of theoretical physicists. No, no, that's why. Or they're fine. Cosmic, On a scale of one to ten, where would you put them? God, they're eleven. Uh, <laughs> that's a no, very good. We need we disingenuous eleven. Uh, my wife is a mathematical physicist. Okay, so got to say nice things. About oh, okay, them. right. I don't want to ruin your marriage. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else you got? Okay. Uh, well, is it a long question? Because we're running out of time in this segment. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's longer than the nine <laughs> seconds. You could do an outro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You are listening to StarTalk Radio, Cosmic Queries Edition. I'm here with Eugene Merman. We'll be right back. We're back. StarTalk Radio, Cosmic Queries Edition. Grab bag. Stuff we found at the bottom of the bin. Yeah, but bottom of the bin questions. Every question matters. Each one from a conspiracy nut. (laughs) Give it to me. Here it is. There are no conspiracy nuts who listen to Star Talk Radio. No, there aren't. There are people with valid the valid questions. All right. So what do you got? Gareth asks. I've read some theories that harp can be used to manipulate the weather. Is this possible? Yeah, harp is uh, a high altitude radio, radio pension <laughs> i always I forget mean, uh, i always forget the acronym yeah uh there are people who are sure that the government is stockpiling aliens and controlling right. everything about anything we would ever think about and they clearly have never worked for the government because right. the level of incompetence in the inefficiency government <laughs> and inefficiency yeah. knows no bounds yeah that, that but for starters it's true that you could manipulate the weather like they did during the olympics in china like it's not that you can't manipulate the weather it's that whether you would really have any serious control well weather happens in many places mm-hmm. so it's it it comes about from the heat balance from the energy coming from the mm-hmm. sun what it reflects off of, what it gets absorbed by, what the upcurrents do, what the downdrafts do, what the rotation of the earth is doing, all of this factors in. And so I have not been convinced by any of the reports to suggest that experiments in the upper atmosphere, uh, physics experiments, yeah. are having any effect on our weather whatsoever. Right. And, but is it, uh, and, and, it would be, and it would be tragic if we wanted to say, oh, that's why it's getting hotter in right, the right. world, okay? Because there's some experiment happening. It would that would be tragic because we would be missing the 900 pound gorilla in the room, right? And then, but can you the the, the carbon dioxide gorilla? Yes, <laughs> yes, okay. the 900 pound carbon dioxide gorilla. All right, uh, here's another question. By the way, I don't think gorillas can weigh 900 pounds. Is that true? Yeah, I don't. The biggest one I've seen so not nine hundred pounds, five hundred pounds. Yeah, not nine hundred. So nine hundred pound, like elephant. a pumpkin. I bet there's like a pumpkin <laughs> that someone has made with a gorilla, like a five hundred gorilla holding a four hundred pound pumpkin. That would work. Yes, that would be in the room, which would also should attract attention. Um, here's the question, though. I don't know who it's from. Yeah, is it possible to somehow direct pollution through our atmosphere and dispose of it in space? All without harming our atmosphere. Love your show, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, it depends on what kind of pollution you're talking about. The, the, the sol- Dust. So what you're saying is rather than pollute your rivers or your oceans, yeah, yeah. Or, you want to pollute the space environment. Well, since it wouldn't be – since we'll throw it into space. Throw it at well, – you, well, you, well, You'd want to 
actually get rid of it. I, you drop it into a black hole, drop it down into the sun. Yeah. You'd want to actually remove the thing entirely. But what was, would it matter to throw it into space? Like, would that be bad to someone? You have to calculate the energy it takes to throw it into space versus the energy it takes to completely break it down In, on uh, Earth uh, on Earth into some non-pollutant right, right. ingredient. You don't want to send a whole thing of, like, sporks into space <laughs> because that's the way to dispose of it. And I don't know that sporks are destructible okay. at all. Uh, but <laughs> so you'd want to not just scatter it into space. Space, we might want to travel that one day. So Yeah, but we wouldn't put so much pollution into space that we'd be like, oh, we can't get to Mars. I think they said that when they had built smokestacks. Oh, right. it's just a little bit of dirty air. Look how big the atmosphere is. Don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. All right. I won't, throw, some, I won't throw my trash into space. Let's have some foresight here. Next. Okay. George asks, uh, if we take an open jar into space, to outer space, and close it uh, once up, thereby filling it with the vacuum of space, what would happen if we bring it to, uh, to Earth-level atmosphere and even to the International Space Station? It would be the best vacuum we would have ever encountered on Earth, ever. Really? Yes. We can't Better. make vacuums as good as space vacuums. Really? Yeah. Last I checked, we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> was the, Unless somebody you, last week pulled one off, we can't. Uh, we can't. We can't uh, have an, as much as space is just. Space top is notch. a far better vacuum than anything we've been able to create in our laboratory. So why don't we always bring back uh, jars of vacuum? <laughs> I now have a new business where I'm going to sell jars of the the best vacuum you've ever seen. But I like the way the question was worded. It's like that when the vacuum gets inside the jar, what happens is the air inside the jar escapes. Yes. Now, by the way, once you put the vacuum in it yeah. and then you bring it back to Earth, what, what'll happen is the It'll explode the, the inner surface of the glass and presumably a metal lid will outgas into that volume. Their gas is dissolved on the surfaces of all solid objects uh-huh. and it just stays there. It's molecules that are just stuck in the jaggedy surface of every, of every solid object. If you now evacuate the center of that jar, it, it dislodges those gas molecules. And mm-hmm. so it'll then put some kind of gas pressure back in. If you're ever trying to create a perfect vacuum, yeah. you first vacuum it out. Then you heat the sides of the container. That releases the gas that's attached. Then you vacuum it out again. So what would you bring into space to bring vacuum back home? Something that has a really, really smooth surface with hardly any uh, gases attached to it. More, yeah. more more smooth than glass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So glass is, yeah, way more smooth. And you, you could preheat it before you did this. And uh, You'd bring like John Hamm, just somebody who's <laughs> super smooth. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. All right. Oh, by the way, you might ask. Yeah. If, quote unquote, nature abhors a vacuum, which of course it doesn't because most of the universe is vacuum, mm-hmm. um, how come all Earth's atmosphere doesn't just rush out into the vacuum of space? It's true. Hey, you Why might doesn't ask. it? A vacuum on Earth, mm-hmm. na- we think of nature abhorring it because air wants to get inside the vacuum. Air wants okay. to go into the vacuum. Air wants to go in because you are in a place where there's air pressure that wants to get inside. As you get higher up in the atmosphere, the air pressure gets less and less and less and less and less because there's less air above it pressing down. And when you get less and less and less and less and less, the air doesn't want to do anything. It's got no forces. There's no air pressure to make it – it's just going to float away. Okay, So our atmosphere goes out thousands of miles getting ever so thinner as it gets out there. And so it's, it's not that – Earth is holding the atmosphere down, although it is, because Earth has gravity, and the gravity keeps the the atmosphere separate from the rest of the vacuum of space. But the air pressure out there has no urge to go anywhere other than just staying right where it is. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, here's the question uh, from uh, Kyle. Kyle. 
uh, it is the same exact time everywhere in the universe. Like, I know you've talked about how the moon and space station is on uh, Houston time because that's uh, who they talk to. But is the whole of the universe within the same um, a unit of time at the same time? Or did the vast expansion of the universe do something funky with that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, different parts it- of the universe are moving at different rates and time has some relative aspects to it. Yeah. So, for example, the GPS satellites. Yeah. The clocks on them tick at a different rate than clocks on Earth's surface. Because mm. when you move far away from the gravity, from a source of gravity, yeah. your time speeds up. So the clocks on the GPS satellites are mm-hmm. not ticking at the rate that of the clocks that they are informing down here on Earth. We, the military puts a correction mm-hmm. into the clock time you get from a GPS satellite so that it matches the time we need it to have here on the Earth's surface. So so if you're in motion, if you're near a, a, a gravity source or far from one, your clock is ticking at a slightly different time from everybody it, else's. It, what, then what time is it on Jupiter? <laughs> well, so you go to Jupiter and like set up a – No, you <laughs> – You set up a time system. So the way you want to answer that in an interesting way is you take two identical clocks, Uh you put one on Earth and one on Jupiter, and watch what happens. The one on Jupiter will tick slower than the one on Earth. Really? Because of Jupiter's gravitational field slows down the ticking of the clock. So is so one way to live forever is to go to Jupiter and sit there. No, you'll just live longer than you would on Earth. Right, right, not forever, <laughs> sorry, longer. Yeah, you'll suffocate and and die of from uh, pressure. You, you Other, would bring a ig- jar ignoring of that air. complication? Yes, you can go to Jupiter and live slightly longer than you would here on Earth. How much longer actually? Uh, like say your life is 100 years. Oh, I like have minutes to, or years? Yeah, no, uh, minutes. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's really not worth it. Sorry, I got excited. You're like, yeah, you'd live for a hundred years and ten minutes. Oh, that's super yeah, not worth it's, it. It's minutes. I mean, it, off the top of my head, I think it's the yeah, answer okay. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here's a question. Yeah. I'm writing you from Kabul, Afghanistan, and my question is: We know the speed of light. Do we know the speed of dark? And what is dark? Oh, okay. So philosophers Signed like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Philosophers like asking questions such as that. Yeah, yeah. The problem is if you align the verbs and nouns so that it makes something that sounds like a question, yeah, yeah. doesn't mean that it's an actual legitimate yeah, question. Yeah. It's like saying, what flavor cheese is the moon made of? Right. That's a, que- it's a, que- it's a it's question. A, it's, a lit- it's a literate Watch question. Watch out, you're going to spark a war in Afghanistan. <laughs> Just saying. So what is the speed of dark? If dark is the absence of light, dark has no speed at all. So the, there's an answer. It's zero. Well, While no- the moon is not breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so so just because we have a word for something that is the absence of light doesn't yeah. mean the absence of light is a thing for right. you to then ask questions about right, that's right. the point physically right, Philo- right. like I said philosophers go you know what is the sound of one hand clapping you know it if depends no- if it's doing it well it's still like this <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it, but oh. that is literally one hand clapping. It's one not hand so bad. clapping itself. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's the that's the um, yes. the backdoor answer to that. So so uh, dark has no speed because it in fact does not exist as an entity. Right. What we call dark is the absence of light. Yeah. We are Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. We'll be right back. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. 
Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Star Talk Radio, Cosmic Queries Edition, Neil Tyson here, Eugene Merman there. Eugene, yes. comedian extraordinaire. Always great to have you on Star Talk. Always wonderful to you, come. We're, we're Cosmic Queries edition grab bag. Grab bag. We oh, left... you had more about darkness. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody asked from, from Kabul, Afghanistan. What's the, yeah, what's the speed of dark? The speed of dark. By the way, at night. Great it, metal band. Uh, in Afghanistan, where there are very few city lights, mm-hmm. at night it gets really dark. So yeah. interesting that someone from Afghanistan is asking about dark, and no one from New York City would ever ask about dark. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't experience the. <laughs> There's no, there's no nighttime. The dark. So there's an interesting question kids sometimes ask. You can pose the question, when you turn on the light, how do you know that light comes out of the bulb mm-hmm. rather than darkness leaves the room and enters the bulb? Yes. Is there an experiment that you can conduct? And the answer is yes. You can put up a thing in the middle of the room and detect light hitting one side of that object and you will not detect anything else going back towards the light bulb. If dark was a thing that had yeah. speed, you'd, you'd be able to, you, you'd measure it. You'd be able to measure it. Exactly. Right. And this is the this is the, one of the hallmarks of science that is underappreciated. In science we measure stuff. Yeah. And when you measure it, you can tag and bag it. You can It's why you know that the universe is probably not 5000 years old. <laughs> That's exactly. Right. You can't prove it, but you've measured that it's unlikely. Right. What else you got? Uh okay, here's Cosmic a question Quarry's from, from Rafa from Norway. Let's suppose you encounter I love these questions from I, well, Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I feel like uh we know that Europe and uh it listens. <laughs> Okay, let's suppose you encounter an alien race. It looks like a three-meter-tall gummy bear. It has discernible anatomy parts, but you don't have any idea of what uh, what does what. 
it makes sounds, but of course you don't understand anything. You are not sure that it has eyes. You are not sure it has ears. You are not sure if you touch it, he would. You are. You do know it's a guy, though. <laughs> you're like definitely a guy. Uh, you you're not sure if it would react, uh, overreact, and uh, disintegrate you with a phaser, or if uh, it would be just toxic and make you uh, make you die instantly. But you know that it is very intelligent, and he understands. At least college, le- he understands at least college level mathematics, physics, chemistry, and in general has a good background in sciences. Uh, how would you proceed to commute uh, in order to communicate with it? Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, so, what would you say if there's a? Th- I see now that the question is, what would you do to a three meter tall gummy bear that's intelligent and studied our Earth sciences? Was it three meters tall? Is that the thing? Uh, three meters tall? Yeah, three meters. So that's bigger than us, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, tall human is two meters. Yeah, and he's like, if you touch it, it might hurt you, which you would instantly already assume. Right. So yeah, I wouldn't go for the appendages. Plus, you know, if it extended something to shake your hand, you don't even know what part of its anatomy you're touching. Yeah, yeah. but it's right. a gummy bear, which actually is he doesn't realize. No, he's this just is saying shaped it, like a bear. It looks like a gummy bear. It doesn't mean it is a gummy bear. But, but okay. it does have legs, arms, a torso, and a head. I guess it would, but you don't know what the torso does versus the head. So you don't, sure. just don't go and even go there. Sure. So what I would do is I would take the vocabulary of the universe. Yeah. By the way, even if I didn't know that he got A's in his astro yeah, you yeah. Know, physics. He didn't and, say he got A's. He just said he had a pretty good student, maybe B pluses. I would not have to know that he, this he gummy bear, took yeah. these classes. I wouldn't have to know that. I would know if he arrived here in a spaceship, the dude knows physics. Okay? Yeah. So I would set up certain physics demos. You can't imagine somebody would put a dummy into a spaceship, send them here, and they'd be like, how'd you get here? And the dummy would be like, I don't. I have no idea. I really, I just walked into it as a bright light. All I have is this soup I brought from my world. I mean, think about it. Tom Brokaw famously yeah. said, you know, was it Tom? I think it was Tom Brokaw. You know, I've been news anchor for 30, my whole, my whole career, and I still don't know how a TV works. And most people don't yeah. know how the stuff works. So it'd be unfortunate if they sent you know, uh, someone who couldn't explain it. <laughs> couldn't <laughs> just, someone just who was impressed up. by our old cathode ray tubes. <laughs> an alien. So, so if they got here, the dude knows some, knows some physics, right? Yeah. So I would take out simple physics experiment. Like, you know, the swinging ball experiment. Yeah, yeah. I take some out, make sure they knew what that was. And you'd start to build a science vocabulary because mm-hmm. that is the only thing that is not only international on earth, it is intergalactic. Right. Right. You don't, you don't start speaking French. You don't start asking you etiquette. S- you start understanding science you and math. Understanding science. You start and ma- throwing up. You start your first <laughs> things, or you throw up, and loud sounds upset you. So I would I would start uh, building a vocabulary of scientific methods and tools, okay. and that way we have a common place to start, and then you increment your way from there. That's what anyone does, even on a speed date. Right. You start with you what's start in with common. a science. Well, you do a science <laughs> example on a speed date. Yeah. Um, all right. Here's another question. From Gwendolyn. Uh, Gwendolyn wants to know, is it possible to use quantum teleportation to explore inside a black hole? Since a teleported particle is not a light particle, it does not have to obey. Therefore, uh, would it be possible to send a particle in a black hole and get data from it? Oh, uh, no. Black holes don't distinguish matter from energy. You, you want to go into a black hole. Oh, well, so what's happening? What if you wore a helmet? <laughs> if you So a black hole, you want to go in and then come back out again. Hawking yeah, radiation yeah. allows this. Uh-huh. All the particles that enter a black hole will come out eventually as the black hole evaporates by way of Hawking radiation. So that's a really slow way to find out what the inside of the black hole was doing. But 
it, could you go in a black hole, wait 10,000 years and come out and be alive and fine? No, because your particles will go in one by one and they'll come out one by one. You mm. have to reassemble who and what you were as well as your brain and your memory. Well, we don't have that power yet. Not yet. So uh, just briefly, Hawking radiation is particles get spontaneously created in the gravity field outside the black hole. And, uh, the particle pairs, one falls back in, the other escapes. All the particles that escape, it's the same inventory as the particles that it had eaten over its entire life. It's an awesome fact mm. of the universe. You're listening to Cosmic Aquarius Star Talk. We'll be right back. We're back, Star Talk Radio. Yes. These questions came from the internet, StarTalkRadio.net, from Twitter, Star Talk Radio. From Google Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these emailed. Facebook. So give them to me. This I haven't one's se- from Australia. And I haven't seen any of them. No. Yeah. This no. one's from okay. Australia from Dave Willis. So if I don't have an answer, I'll tell yeah. you. Not the one who created Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, so anyway, here's a question from Australia. Would you be able to explain the differences between black holes, supermassive black holes, quasars, and white holes? I'm very interested in this subject, but any information I find is vague and sometimes contradicts previous info. In the 1970s, the black hole formula that mm-hmm. told us what a black hole is and how it works, it was discovered had a second solution to it. Mm-hmm. And the second solution was the mathematical opposite of the solution that described a black hole. So a black hole, nothing comes out. Anything always goes in. Mm -hmm. The white hole, everything only ever comes out. And so people wondered, could a black hole be connected to a white hole through a wormhole in the fabric of space? I think you're describing zebras now. (laughs) So anything that goes into a black hole would then come out a white hole. Mm -hmm. And if that were the case, a white hole would be a highly radiant thing. And if it is, what are these radiant things at the edge of the universe? They're quasars. Could a white hole be a quasar? Mm -hmm. So we we mapped out what a white hole should look like. We looked at what quasars look like, and they don't match at all. So we have no evidence for white holes. So white holes might not exist. They likely don't exist. And if they do, they're full of stuff that would be awesome to have. That would be so awesome. It'd be energy. That's just pouring out of nowhere. Pouring out of nowhere. Exactly. That would be fun. uh, So quasars, our current model for quasars, which is stable and we all sort of agree what's going on here, is that there is a black hole in the center of a galaxy. Mm -hmm. And it is dining upon material that comes too close. And the act of dining upon it, swirling down toilet bowl style, Mm -hmm. heats up the stars, the gas, and everything else, and it radiates profusely. That is what we call a quasar phenomenon. And quasar stands for quasi-stellar radio source. It's a loose acronym for that because the energy is coming from such a tiny spot on the sky because it's with the volume of a black hole in the center of a galaxy. It's... it's they call it quasi-stellar because stars are points of light. These are points of light, mm-hmm. even though they have nothing to do with stars themselves. They're supermassive black holes dining upon matter that came too close. And there you have black holes, white holes, white holes, quasars. All right. <clears throat> so here's a question. Yeah. It's from Jay. With enough resources and energy, would we be able to move the sun? <laughs> And you know, if so, how, would we co- come along for the ride? This is how diabolical evil yeah. people are, are. Yeah, this is how like, he's like, I'm building a machine. I don't think I have enough copper for it. Um, All right. So, so yeah, if, and would we go along with it if we did? I would That's just wonder why one would want to do this. Uh, but if you move the sun, yeah. uh, that would be hard. Uh, yes, the planets would come along, but you would disturb their orbits. 
briefly. Mm-hmm. They would resettle, but in a slightly disturbed way. So in other words, we're orbiting where the sun is right now. Mm-hmm. Now you move the sun. Yeah. We still orbit where the sun was for eight minutes and 20 seconds because that's how long it takes gravity to reach us. Mm-hmm. Then we figure out, oh, the sun is now in a different place. Yeah. Our orbit no longer applies to the sun in the new place. So the Earth that's starts a problem. moving. So then we say, well, we got to find a new orbit. Mm -hmm. That works. All the planets have to find new orbits if you're going to start accelerating the sun. The fact is the sun is already moving in orbit around the galaxy with all the planets and comets and moons and Pluto in tow. So we are already a moving system. And in fact, if you plotted this through space, Mm -hmm. the sun would make a sort of a straight line and all the planets would stay around the sun as they move forward. And you get this helical, Mm -hmm. beautifully artistic spiral. So the sun is already moving. We don't need to push it. You don't need to push it. Exactly. How much energy would it take to push the sun? Uh, Without blowing it up, I wouldn't want to put in the sun's worth of well, energy. The sun into is it. four times 10 to the 33 grams. So you do the math. <laughs> so four to the 34 grams. Would that be enough, Neil? <laughs> No, All you have right. to find out how to do it. You can't push a gas, so you have to figure out how to do oh, this. Oh, I see. Yeah. You'd need a giant hand. Yeah. yeah. All right. This sounds complicated. Um, All right. One minute left in this okay, segment. Okay, here's a what question uh, from Michael. If hot air rises, why is the temperature at the height uh, that aeroplanes fly so cold? Ooh. Ooh solid question. Nice. Michael Burns. Nice question. Well, the sun doesn't heat the air. The sun heats the ground. Uh-huh. Basically, that's how that works. And so, and there's a little time delay. The heat on the ground then heats the air. And that's why the hottest time of day is not 12 noon. It's a couple of hours later. Mm. It takes time for the ground. 3, 3.30. Yeah, and it can be as late as in Texas, uh, 4 o'clock, depending on where you are in the time zone. Yeah. And so that can happen. Also, uh, it delays the hottest month of the year from what otherwise being June to being July and August. June has the most direct sunlight uh, on the first explains, day of summer. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, it's delayed. So, uh, so these are the effects of what mm-hmm. happens when the sun is heating the so hot air doesn't rise enough. Well, I didn't get When we come back, you'll find out why it's cold in airplanes. Star Talk Cosmic Queries Edition. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details.
back in the last segment of Cosmic Queries, Star Talk. Grab bag edition. We left off. Someone asked a great question. How come it's cooler up in the sky, up in the atmosphere yeah. where airplanes fly if hot air rises? Yeah. The, the reason why hot air rises mm-hmm. is because it's less dense than the air around it. That's the only reason why mm-hmm. it rises. So as it rises, it is looking for air that has the same density as it. Mm-hmm. And where does it find it? And where does it find it? It could find it at any kind, at any altitude. But while that's happening, that pocket of air is expanding and cooling. Ah, uh, uh, so there's no such thing as a free lunch here. And this hot air does expand, does rise up, and that gives you thunderheads. Right. Thunderclouds are hot, unstable right. air. And you look at the clouds in stop action, you see the top of the cloud roiling as it rises up. And if this happens in a big way, you get cumulonimbus clouds and rainstorms and even hail. Mm-hmm. So, but it'll reach the point where it's equal, and that point is not as high as where planes fly. Fl- planes fly higher. We right. are in the... Lightning round. Lightning round. Get Eugene, ready. I take too long to answer all the other questions. We're going to blow through this list. Yeah. Okay, go. Good. This is an easy question. If the multiverse theory is true, is it possible to travel to other universes? How would it be possible for us to exist in those universes if they have different laws of physics? Okay. It may be possible to travel to another universe, but sure. I would not be the volunteer to do so. If it has different laws of physics, you you could end up in a pile of goo because the forces that guide and control your molecules and atoms, if they're different, you don't want to be the first one to go. So you Avoid you'd go to the second. Even, even if you could go to that universe, send somebody else. Next. Great. Are there any plasma rockets that are close to being ready to go to Mars? What is the time frame? How do they work? Yeah. So, <laughs> He's like, is it true? Tell me how to build one. So that's my lightning round question. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we do have plasma rockets. They're ion drives. Mm-hmm. And they are not good for sort of launching things. They're good for slowly changing the direction. And they're good for very long trips. Yeah. Or if you're going to send cargo to Mars and you don't, you can take you know, years to get it there, you know, a high shelf life product, go ahead. But if you're going to move people, the ion drive is not a good option for people at this point. Would you ever it use it? It takes too ion- slow to move you. Would you, oh, okay. You okay. would use it on earth? No. No, no, no. Next. Okay. Good. Great. Uh, if we could manage to build a spaceship that could accelerate at a constant one G, could we leverage time dilation to reach the nearest galaxy within the lifetime of a human on the spaceship? Uh, the nearest galaxy? No. But you can definitely, uh, if you could accelerate at 1G, and that way you can walk around in the spaceship as though you're on Earth, mm-hmm. because you'd have a 1G acceleration, that would be cool. Yeah. No bone marrow, no, no bone mass loss or anything, all these problems you hear about of being in 0G. Uh, we can go ahead and do that, uh, go to the nearest stars and come back, and yes, time dilation, you'll eventually reach near the speed of light. Time dilation will allow you to not age very much, but people on Earth will continue to age, and when you come back, everyone will have forgotten about you. Uh-huh. Next. Okay, it's my understanding that a black hole will just vanish and disappear and at the end of its life. If that is so, and equals MC squared, what happens to the energy of all the particles the black hole has consumed? Ooh, so there's no such thing as a free lunch. So yeah. all the energy of the stuff that fell in, in Hawking radiation, it all comes back out again, and you leave nothing left behind. Great. Uh, not even the smile. Uh-huh. Of the black hole. Next. Okay, a wait, galaxy. Wait. Next. A galaxy several several hundred thousand uh, thousands of light years across. How do we know what a galaxy actually looks like if we are not seeing the same time from the galaxy, from the entire galaxy? Oh, great point. So the point is, if the, our galaxy is 100,000 light years across, yep. and you're on one edge, you don't see the whole galaxy at once. You see the nearby stuff as it was yesterday, mm-hmm. the stuff farther away as it was a week ago, yeah. the stuff uh, at the other edge of the galaxy as it was 100,000 light years, uh, 100,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the whole thing at once. So the best way to do it is to come above it 
and then every all the light comes to you at once. Okay. And we have galaxies out there that are face on to us. Mm -hmm. We see them all at once. And, that's and the galaxy is not doing nasty things over the hundred thousand <laughs> years like, like it's not like that that takes. Galaxy lived for billions of years. It's not going to do anything really drastic in hundred thousand years. Okay. Next, uh, what will uh, building the square uh, kilo, uh, kilometer kilo array? Yeah. Uh huh. Allow uh, us to see in space. Oh, so what you want is huge huge telescopes to mm -hmm. make big buckets to see, get more light of any kind, radio waves, microwaves, x-rays. The one in, in astrophysics, bigger is better, mm -hmm. period. Yes. Right? So um, the square kilometer array sees sees radio waves and, and, and microwaves, and you will look into the universe seeing things dimmer than you could have ever seen before because this will be the bigger telescope than we've ever made before. So what we'll see is a lot more. What, what <laughs> Is what you're saying. <laughs> because you can see things that are bright or you can see dim things that you would never would would not have even otherwise shown up. Right. Right. And so that's where so discovery we'll be able to amazing. use it to see the movie Grown Ups too. <laughs> so, so you see it to to see stuff you could not have seen before. One more. Go. Okay, excluding size and distance from the sun, does Venus have more in common with the gas giants than the terrestrial planets? Venus is like our twin. It is about the same size, the same gravity, this oh, nearly the same composition, yeah. except that it's 900 degrees Fahrenheit and we are not. It has a runaway greenhouse effect, a carbon dioxide atmosphere that is nearly 100 times the pressure of what you have here on Earth. If you go there, you will die. But it is otherwise okay. a twin to Earth, pro appropriately called Earth twin, uh, Earth's okay. a sister planet. There you have it. We got to go. We got to go. Eugene. Bye. Thanks again for Great being be Star here. Talk. Yes. Cosmic Queries Edition. All right. Grab bag. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. As always, I bid you farewell, which means I say to you to keep looking up. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter. Or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.